I'm Isaac Moses, one of Mio Deo's community moderators. In the virtual producer's booth is Waf, another one of the moderators. Hello, Waf. Hello there, Isaac. How is the weather in the virtual producer's booth today? Beautiful as always. All right, wonderful. Uh, in a little bit, we'll be joined by our special guest, Rabbi Gill Student. And later on in the program, we'll hear from other Mio Deo moderators and community members, and we'd love to hear from you. The phone number to call in is 347-633-9520. If you want to be invited to talk on the air, please press 1 when prompted. Otherwise, we'll assume that you just want to listen in. Final logistical note, go to launchparty.yodea.com, launchparty.yodeya.com for the phone number, a link to the streaming audio, a link to our text-based chat room where Mio Deo community members are chatting right now, and collaborative show notes that hopefully will have a lot of useful links in them by the end of the show, and certainly afterward. So, Isaac, what are we celebrating today? We are celebrating the launch out of beta of Mio Deo. Mio what? What's Mio Deo? Okay. So, if you haven't yet, go to Mi. .yodea.com. That's M-I dot Y-O-D-E-Y-A dot com. What you'll see is a lot of great questions and answers about Jewish life and learning. Browse around, and I'm sure you'll find something that interests you and probably lots of stuff. The whole thing, the whole repository of almost 5,000 questions with all their answers is maintained by a community that's been growing around the site for the past two-plus years. But... Isaac, who made this site? So, it starts with a few years ago, two popular software bloggers, Joel Spolsky and Jeff Atwood, decided that the world needed a new model for online questions and answers that would be free for everyone to contribute to and to read, and that would also promote high-quality information. And they succeeded in a big way. If you go to stackexchange.com, you'll see that they've got over 80 communities running question-and-answer sites on everything from martial arts to mathematics. Now, to get Jewish about it, I'd say that they figured out a way to facilitate and induce Torah chesed, that is, acts of intellectual kindness, on a grand scale. I think it's only natural that it turns out that their model works great for crowd-based questions-and-answers about Judaism. So, we collected such a crowd around Mi Yodea, and a few weeks ago, Stack Exchange made it a permanent member of their network and got their resident designer, Jin Yang, to give it the beautiful site design that you see now. Now, to celebrate, we're going to drink a few L'chaims today, so please have your favorite beverage ready. The first will come after some words of Torah from 
Alex Heppenheimer. Hello, Alex, and welcome to the party. Thank you. It's good to be here. Alex Heppenheimer is the MioDea user with the highest all-time reputation score to date. That comes from asking great questions and giving great answers, and he has contributed 991 answers so far, uh, unless I missed one in the past few minutes. So if you post a question in the next uh, you know, day or so, you may get merit to receive his thousandth answer. He's also a graduate of the Lubavitcher Yeshivos Ahalei Torah and 770. Alex, are you ready to share some Torah with us? Yes, I am. All right, go ahead. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here for the celebration for the, for the for this mitzvah related celebration, and especially to meet virtually anyway so many of the of the people with whom I've exchanged questions and answers. So some thoughts about it in the middle of this week's parsha. Um, there are two psukim, two verses that are marked off with backwards nun before and after them, kind of like parentheses. So there's different explanations what that represents exactly. And one idea behind it is that these two psukim are actually a separate book of the Torah, meaning, you know, we always talk about there's five chumashim, five books of the Torah, but according to that way of looking at it, there's really seven. So what's so important about these two verses that they, that they deserve to be a separate book of the Torah of their own? What do they teach us? So one of the explanations given in the, in the commentary, Kli Yucker, he says, he, he points to the second one of those, of those verses that says, Shuvah Hashem Ribavos Alpha Yisrael, return Hashem to the myriads and the thousands of Yisrael, of the Jewish people. So there's a, in, in some place or other, the Gemara talks about that, mentions that, that, that verse, and explains the idea behind it, that there needs to be a critical mass of Jews um, for, a certain, for, for a certain higher level of Hashem's presence to be there, and therefore that every, that every new individual Jew is important towards creating that critical mass. Um, so Kliyakar says that, that that's, that's the idea, that's, that's what's so important about this, uh, about this, about the, about this verse, and about these two verses, is the idea that it it represents the 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 importance of every Jew. Uh, this is the idea behind. This is the deeper idea behind the, the first mitzvah in the Torah of Puravu, be fruitful and multiply. Um, so this is the idea. This is why the this is why this deserves to be a separate book of the Torah. So now, um, this mitzvah, actually, this mitzvah of pruah will be fruitful and multiply, we usually talk about it in a biological sense. There's also, you know, in a, in a way, even more importantly, if there's, an, there's a spiritual sense of it. The Rav Shneur Zalman of Ladi, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, once expressed about it the idea that the first mitzvah of the Torah is that one Jew should make another Jew. Or, you know, to shift metaphors a second back to the beginning of the parasha, where it describes Aaron lighting the menorah, is the idea that each uh, person should be kindling another Jew as a flame, which will then rise higher, it'll rise on its own, and eventually be able to kindle others. So our site, miodea.com, is many different things to many different people, but in, to, to one of the central ideas of it is that. It's a site where each of us is able to learn from the others and teach the others, and each of us can become... Uh, and each of us can become, can make ourselves and make others into better Jews. 
and, and build up that critical mass, that community that, as Kliyako says, is the central idea of that two-verse book of the Torah. So we need to, first of all, give a big yeshakoyach, a big thank you to Isaac for founding the site, for nurturing it for all these couple of years, um, to, the, uh, to the moderators, WAF and, uh, and, and Hode, Hode and the other ones whose names I can't remember just now, who keep things flowing smoothly. And to all of the contributors, the regulars and the, the one-timers and the two-timers and the occasional ones, each of you, in your own way, gives an opportunity, Luma de Lame, to learn and to teach. I know that I myself, in, all the, in, the, in the couple of years that I've been involved on the site, I've, I've learned a lot and gained, gained a lot on the, on the site. And I'm sure I speak for others when I say that I'm, I'm sure the same is true for others as well. So... Hashem should help. We should be able to continue going to, from strength to strength on the site and in other areas of life and make better Jews of ourselves and of others and in that way bring the Shekhinah closer to earth. The Gemara also says that this mitzvah of making another Jew biologically and then also spiritually is one of the means, one of the, one of the ways in which we bring Mashiach closer. So our contribution in this area should count towards that also. L'chaim. Amen. L'chaim. All right, let's drink our first L'chaim together. Don't forget a bracha, everyone, if you haven't made one yet. Right. All right, Alex Heppenheimer, thank you very much for those beautiful words of Torah. Um, Taking some of the words of thanks right out of my mouth. Um, and um, Alex was also gracious enough to provide the game that WAF will be playing with um, our callers today. Do you, is there a name for that game, Alex? It's based on a commercial game called Tribonds, so I just called it Jewish Tribonds. All right. Well, we're looking forward to, uh, to playing that. Thank you very much, Alex. You're welcome. And now... Let's not make everyone wait to hear from our special guest any longer. Rabbi Gill Student has been contributing to various parts of the Jewish Internet for over a decade. He operates one of the longest-standing and most influential Judaism blogs at TorahMusings.com, T-O-R-A-H-M-U-S-I-N-G-S.com, also known as the Hirhurim blog, which he founded in 2004. He studied Torah and got his B.A. in math at Yeshiva University, and his day jobs have included quantitative analysis and publishing and editing Jewish books. Our topic today is Learning with the Crowd, Judaism on the Internet. Rabbi Gil, student, thank you so much for joining us at the Mio Dea launch party. Hi, Nick. It's great to be here. I am, I'm a big fan of Mio Dea and what you guys are doing. Because I see what you and Alex and Waf and the whole group are doing is really just the next generation. Uh, I'm probably quite a bit, uh, a little bit older than you. And when I got started on the Internet, we were doing other things similar, but in a very different kind of technology. I think you guys are taking it to the next level. So I'm happy to pass the torch on, although I don't have really the torch. I'm not, I don't have the, I'm not the owner of the torch, but I'm happy at least my little to pass it on to you guys because you're really just taking it to the next level. So congratulations to you on reaching this milestone. Well, thank you very much. I mean, I, I, 
I, I really think that uh, you are still carrying that torch, so I, I hope you're not uh, re- resting it down as you pass it pass it on. But uh, like the uh, flames of the menorah that that uh, Alex was talking about, uh, we can certainly kindle each other and 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 continue to carry forth together. Um, so yeah, tell no, me, I'm, I'm, this is not a retirement uh, party for me uh, by any means. Good. It's all your party. Yeah, exactly. Um, but as, hopefully we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, I see you guys as, as just the next generation. I'm, I'm, I'm ancient history, and you guys are the future. So uh, more okay. power. And uh, well, Alex, uh, I hope you reach a thousand very soon. You know, congratulations. Thank you. Um, so, uh, Rabbi Student, um, I guess let's let's talk about that history a little bit. What what made you decide to start a Judaism blog all the way back in 2004? But uh, if we want to talk about that, we gotta we gotta go a little bit earlier than that. When I got online, um, it was the mid '90s, and at that point, there was a lot of Torah discussion via email that got posted to the web. So you had, uh, let's say, um, Fox.Jewish.Net or whatever it was. Uh, I don't even remember anymore. It was Usenet, and uh, you had Mail Jewish which were email groups in which everybody contributed, and it was a lot very similar to what you're doing on Mitodeo, which is people would ask questions and other people would answer, and you had a lot of very knowledgeable people, and but it was still a big mix, so anyone can join and ask questions and offer answers. Uh, but it was all done via email and then posted to the web, and that was sort of the first generation, and that's where I got on board um, in those types of email, mainly through Asia. Avoda, Aravim, um, those email lists. I don't know if, if anyone even remembers those names, but they're still going strong. Um, that's how I got involved uh, on the Internet at, at the beginning. And what I found was that I had something to say, which was surprising to me because I was never much of a writer. Uh, I was, at that point, I wasn't a rabbi either. I was just a guy who learned in yeshiva who went out to work. And in a business place, you know, there's always downtime. Uh, a lot of people take advantage of that downtime and they go around and schmooze and talk talk with their uh, colleagues. Uh, I'm maybe not as sociable as some of my colleagues. And I would use that downtime for emailing Torah, which was then posted online. Um, and so as I was getting more and more involved with that, uh, the blog phenomenon took off. And there were very few Jewish blogs, but they were just starting. And as I was exploring the Jewish blogs, I realized there was a big gaping hole for a Torah blog. Uh, the discussion just wasn't on a level that I thought it should be. Um, and I decided, why don't I do that? Instead of responding to some of the other blogs, which I thought were getting the Torah wrong, I should create my own blog and get the Torah, at least as I see it, to be right. And that's how I started. And it sort of snowballed. Uh, it, it took off. People liked it. And People liked it, and I liked it, so I just kept on going. And then somehow I reached eight years later, and I'm still doing it just about every day. Yeah, it's terrific. And, and uh, anybody who hasn't uh, yet looked at TorahMusings.com, um, I, I highly recommend it. There's uh, Besides uh, Rabbi Student's um, prolific uh, postings about Torah, there are also um, weekly roundups of audio from around the Internet as well as uh, weekly Torah portion Listing, uh, listings about different uh, thoughts about that, um, and and other things. It seems like you've you've uh, gathered a bunch of other contributors into your uh, your blog empire there. 
Yeah, well, I, I appreciate the kind comments. Not quite an empire. What it really boils down to is I'm tired. I'm just old and tired, and I can't do it every day anymore. So I have Rabbi Ari Enkin from Israel who does one day a week. And it's also what I started noticing, and I kind of predicted it, and I think I was right. The blog phenomenon has sort of died down. I mean, you still have blogs. You probably will still always have blogs, just like you always still have email lists. But they're not the cutting edge anymore. Um, you guys are the cutting edge. So what I did was when I realized that blogs were sort of fading away, was I tried to add more features. Uh, so, for example, when the news, from news websites became big, I started adding a daily news feature to uh, Hiram. And now I call it TorahMusings.com because I consider it more of a website than a, than a blog. Maybe that's just my own perception. It, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. But I tried to organize it and, and design it more as a news magazine uh, because it, that seems to me to be where the trend is heading. And I also have, I, I requested, and I have two wonderful contributors who do roundups of other material on the web just to offer more material because blogs, I don't think there's, a, there's much of a future there. Uh, so I'm trying to evolve it into some other creature. Um, but as the, blogs, I, so as the blogs have died down, what's really originated is Facebook and Twitter and social media. Uh, and no one, I don't think anyone has really quite figured out how to use those tools for Torah on a wide scale. Um, but then Neodea came up, and this is a great idea and a great way of using social interaction and crowdsourcing to create sort of the next generation of Torah discussion on the web. I, I see a, a big future in what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I, obviously I do too. Um, I, think that, uh, I, think that, I think that these models, the blog model, um, social media, um, online question and answer, I think they all should coexist. I mean, a lot of times um, answers on Miyodea will quote from Various. I mean, obviously, they'll quote from various sources. A lot of times, the, the primary sources, the original um, texts from, from, from many years ago, but also sometimes they'll quote from secondary and tertiary sources, such as blogs, such as, frequently enough, uh, Torah musings. Um, so I think that, that uh, it, it makes sense for us all to work in, in the same uh, ecosystem. Uh, Wath, do we have any callers on the line? Um, speaking of collaborative um, working together. We are we are excitedly awaiting our first willing caller. We have um, several in the queue of listeners, but uh, we're waiting for the first person to to really put their neck out and speak. All right. Well, we're looking forward to somebody who wants to call in. And if you do call in, please do push one to make it clear that you want to talk on the air and not just listen. Um, in the meantime. Um, well, one one really important issue that comes up um, has come up on on Miyodea from the very beginning, and that I, I think has uh, has been on your mind, Rabbi Student, as well on Torah musings, is the idea of or the the, the challenge related to um, discussing Jewish law in public um, on Torah musings. Um, you and your guests frequently post analyses of questions of Jewish law, including your own conclusions. And I've seen once or twice at least you've referred to these analyses as lahalacha v'lola ma'aseh. So tell us, what, what does that term mean, and, and why do you think that's important to uh, point out? Yeah, this is actually one of my pet issues. Uh, let me tell you, let me just tell you, listeners, we, we, we threw out that term lahalacha v'lola ma'aseh, 
uh, what that means is it's a theoretical analysis, but not in practice. Not Don't follow what you read on a blog. And, and I emphasize don't follow what you read on any website, no matter how great it is. Because halakha is not just um, data. It's not just take what the rabbi said and and come through it and build it up and find figure out what the halakha is for you to practice today. It's much more than that. Halakha is the, the living Torah. And it very much has to do with who you are, where you are in your life, uh, and you need a personal rabbi to understand that. And when you need to create a relationship, a real-life relationship, with a Torah scholar, for, I mean, not only for your own personal inspiration and for your own personal guidance, but also so that you get the right uh, guidance, you, the right guidance in terms of what you should be doing, what halacha you should be. So, for example, Alex, from what I gather, comes from uh, a Lubavitch family or at least a Lubavitch community. Well, I don't. And the halacha that we follow, I mean, it's generally 99%, you know, someone from the outside wouldn't know the difference. But there are nuances. And some of the answers he would get would not be the answers that I would get. And frankly, if the Lubavitcher came to me with a, with a question, I would be very, you know, as a rabbi, I would be very uncomfortable to give him a halakhic ruling if it was something I knew where there were different traditions and different, different practices. And in addition to that, a good rabbi, or at least uh, an experienced rabbi, has his own personal opinion just because the majority of books say one thing. You know, you, you don't, you don't, go based on 51% or even 60-70%, you have a tradition. And the part of having a living Torah is that there's constant back and forth and give and take and questions and answers. I mean, it's just a, such a vibrant tradition that we don't want it to die and just follow what's on the books. We want to keep it alive. You know, back in the times of the Gemara, they were very hesitant because we have two Torahs. We have a, a written Torah and we have an oral Torah. And the oral Torah was really never supposed to be written down. It was eventually written down into the Mishnah and, and then into the Gemara together, which which comprised the Talmud. Uh, but that was not the way it was supposed to be. That was an emergency measure so that we wouldn't forget it. Uh, and even today, even though we have so many books, I'm sitting right now in my library and I'm surrounded by probably at least a thousand books. Just because we had these books doesn't mean that the oral aspect should die down. That that would be a tragedy. It's the the, the personal give and take and the oral tradition and the oral working and reworking and question and give and take that makes the Torah so vibrant and, and really that's allowed it to survive for thousands of years. You know, we don't want it to be static. We don't want it to be a database um, on the web or a database anywhere. We want it to be a live tradition that varies, that has, you know, what do they say, the variation is the spice of life. Torah should be that way also. You should be able to go from one community to another and taste the different foods, and taste the different practices, and taste the different traditions. That's really what makes it so exciting. And part of what makes Mutazeah so great is that you have so many different people from different communities, from different geographic locations, and different uh, backgrounds, all contributing together. It's a really nice choice of, of, of different people. But we always have to take a step back and say, yes, we're learning. But to put into practice, we really want to maintain our own traditions and our own backgrounds, and our own flavors. We don't want to lose our flavor. When everyone loses their flavor, it just gets bland. We need a lot of different kinds of spices so that when we all come together, it tastes really good. So I, I guess, I, yeah, I agree that the, the, the great strength of these Internet forums is the ability to really be exposed to a lot of different points of view. Um, but like you're saying, at the same time, a person needs to be able to come home 
for uh, bottom line, what what should I be doing um, to their own tradition and to a, a spiritual advisor who really knows their own that person's situation? Um, that's that's at least uh, my opinion. Um, I think that there's a, there's a lot more on this topic. Um, we once posted a question: Why is it necessary to ask a rabbi? Um, that would be question number nine one four six, and hopefully somebody will put a link to this in the show notes. Um, that um, where a bunch of uh, Miodea community members uh, had a chance to answer and, and give uh, some with sources, some based on their reasoning, um, important reasons why it's important to uh, really consult one's own rabbi rather than uh, simply the internet for um, questions of Jewish law. Um, Waft, it, it looks like we have a caller on the line. Is that uh, is that is that so? I, I see we have a caller on the line. Who's who's this? Oh, this is Rebecca. Oh, Rebecca. Um, thank okay. you for calling in to the Mio Dea launch party. Um, thank you for having me and Mazel Tov. It's very exciting. Thank you very much, um, Rebecca. What is your uh, question or comment? Um, for our I guests. wanted to ask a question, um, I guess, to you about Neodea and to Rabbi Student about um, Hirhurim, and it's really the same question, and that is, I wonder if you could each reflect on what some of the most popular topics are on your sites. I guess on your site, what are the most sort of popular topics that people ask questions about, and maybe on Hirhurim, what sorts of topics get the most um, traffic and Commenting. I'm curious if they're, you know, if it's the same kinds of areas or if you're seeing differences. That's a great question, uh, Rabbi Student. Why don't you take that first? Sure. I keep track of that sort of thing, and let's say at the end of every calendar year in December, or at least maybe I think the last two years, I've been listing the top posts of the year. And what I find is, is very simple: real life translates into online life. So whatever in our real-life communities, in our shoals, in our schools, is a hot topic, it's controversial, it's, it's everybody's arguing about, that's what's most popular online. And I, I think that's great. I think the online life should be an extension of your real life. It shouldn't replace your real life. There are some people who sort of disengage from their real life and they spend their time online and that's where they get their their satisfaction and their intellectual, uh, that's where they spend intellectual time. I, I, I'm not a big fan of that. I think we need to have our real lives solid, our relationships, our family, and to extend that a little bit online. Some of your, whatever you talk about at the Shabbos table, you can also talk about online. And I like to have them the both intertwined. And that way the Internet is more of a, of a spice that makes your life a little more interesting and a little more uh, expansive but it doesn't replace it. And I find that that's true in, the, in terms of controversy and what people are interested in talking about. Whatever is big in a community, that's, uh, in real life, that's what people are talking about online. Uh, yeah, I, and I think it's sort of similar on Mio Dea, but maybe a little bit different. Um, so I'm, right now I'm just looking at our list of tags, which is every question has a collection of tags on it to say which topics it's related to. Um, and um, setting aside a few very general tags, the, the top couple of tags are tefillah, for questions about Jewish prayer, Shabbat, questions about the Jewish Sabbath. So those would both relate to, you know, very frequent and, and pervasive practices that are in people's lives. And then the third one is parshanut, Torah comment, which is for questions about 
commentary about the the Bible, um, frequently about the weekly Torah portion, but often about um, other books of the Bible as well. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that it, it, what we get are what is what people are thinking about. Um, what people are thinking about is driven a lot by, I think, I, I, what I've seen on Neodea, we do see things from the headlines coming up from time to time, but mostly it's it's more in the general life cycle of, of Jewish life. That that that, um, like I said, uh, the, the people's prayers, um, the Jewish Sabbath, and the weekly Torah portion, things that come up on a regular basis, and then and then tags after that include blessings, food, ko- uh, kosher, um, things that come up a lot. And I actually, this is an important point about why I think that Miyodeo works within the Stack Exchange model. Um, Stack Exchange is meant to be for communities of experts. It started with a community with a site, um, which is their by far hugest site so far for um, expert programmers, software engineers, and and so those what we're dealing with there are people who spend their whole working day engaged in something something and and in that case it's software engineering and it's it can be kind of esoteric you can come up with questions that maybe a thousand people in the world have come up with um but not necessarily millions so this is the, the model is useful for the stack exchange model is useful for posting that kind of question because then um one of those thousand other people will be there, will see your question because they're paying attention to that topic, and will answer. Um, but the whole thing is based on this community of people who are whose livelihoods depend on this topic. And so in professions, that means professionals. That means people who work in the field. In Judaism, I would say that people who run their lives based on Jewish tradition and Jewish law are um, the community of professionals, professional Jews. Now, I'm not talking about rabbis. I'm not talking about people necessarily who get paid for it, but but people who run their lives. Like I said, so it's not just livelihood, but it's it's our actual life. Um, The in in the prayers we say kihem chayenu va'orech yamenu regarding the the Torah. They the words of Torah are our lives and the length of our days. That that's what we spend our time on. So therefore. Um, when somebody's thinking about that stuff all the time, they're running their life based on it, they're going to care enough about it to ask questions and to know enough to answer intelligently. And I think that's that's one of our great strengths uh, at Miyodea is, is that we've we've gathered a community of, of such people. Um, Rebecca, um, before you go, um, would you, uh, would you like to... Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I apologize. I apologize to Rebecca. I don't think I gave her a good enough answer. I think I was too abstract. So if, you, if, if, you, if you bear with me for a moment, I'd just like to give a more complete answer to her because I, I, I gave sort of general ideas. I didn't, I didn't go into specifics. I apologize for that. Um, let, me, let me give you, some uh, Rebecca, some, some idea of what is popular on my blog based on page views and comments and things like that. And it's really definitional issues. Uh, sort of the borderline of communities. Because I, th- I think nowadays a lot of people, there's a blurring of where you belong, and people are trying to figure out where they belong. And the issues at the border of communities, from one to, uh, let's say, from left-wing to right-wing, or from conservative to orthodox, from orthodox to ultra-orthodox, 
That's where people are very focused. That's what people want to read and want to comment on. So, for example, women's issues in orthodoxy, just exactly how much a woman can do in the show or in terms of ritual, that is very, that's what I found on my blog that's been extremely popular. And that has been something I focus on because that's sort of the border between orthodox and conservative, and I, uh, that's been consistently very, very popular. Um, other issues are technology and, and religion. You know, what can you do on Shabbos and what can you not do? Uh, because, again, we had all these people growing these kids growing up with technology, and so they're part of one community of the technology users, and how do they how do they meld that into their other community of being a Sabbath observer? And people are having a lot of trouble trying to figure that out. So whenever I talk about technology in Shabbos, that's an automatically very popular post. Yeah, I, I would uh, interject that we, we also, um, some of our some of our most popular and interesting posts have been in uh, areas like that where um, new areas like technology, um, we had some interesting uh, questions about um, about related to, to e-readers and how whether they're more like paper or more like an electronic screen, uh, like an LCD screen um, or an LED, uh, uh, cathode ray tube, whatever, whether they're, they're like more ephemeral screens um, with regard to use on Shabbat, with uh, the Sabbath, with regard to if God's name is written on one, whether you can, can erase it. Um, and so, but the, the, the thing about those is that it's actually difficult to come up with a good answer um, at least for, from our point of view, because it's difficult to find a source that addresses it um, until such time as, the, as the, the contemporary authorities will directly address stuff like that. Um, what we can do is, is kind of look at look at what is on the books and, and do our best to um, to see what we can extrapolate. And, we, and we've had some valiant efforts by, by uh, community members on some of those questions. Um, but um, I think, and that that could be, you know a particular strength of more the blog model where you have a person who who instead of um well who who's personally invested in 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 a in their the blog and in 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 putting together a long form um essay on a topic and doing all the research and then coming to a, a conclusion and putting their name behind it um i think that's that's you know particularly useful in in the blog model um where in the q and a model uh you know we would do we would be strengthened by having more of that material online that we can point to when when people ask the question. Um, wow, Rebecca, there was really a lot to that. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you both. That was really interesting. I think that, um, if I could just add, I think that issue of identity, how groups of Jews define themselves, um, I see it a lot on a lot of different blogs, you know, ranging from, you know, the ones we're talking about to, um, you know, people talking about, you know, how they are defined as a conservative Jew or, a, um, you know, all kinds of other websites. Um, I think it's an interesting, interesting sort of point about what's popular and what people are thinking about. Yes, it's definitely something to look into and to be, uh, you know, for, for future analysis. Um, would you like to, before you sign off, play our game on the air? Sure. Just um, you'll well. have to remind me of the rules. The rules of the game are I will read you three things, and you have to identify the thing that binds them all together. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Here come the three things. 
cooking, carrying, and kneading dough. What do these three have in common? These are all forbidden on Shabbos. Oh, you got half the answer right. Forbidden on Shabbos, but permitted on Yom Tov. Oh. Better luck next time. Thanks for calling. Thank you for calling, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Okay, well, we've reached uh, the half point plus in our show, and I think um, now would be a good time to invite um, MSH210, who is another one of our community moderators on Miodea, um, and he um, is going to propose our second L'chaim. MSH210, how are you doing? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, Well, if if you're ready, uh, you can go ahead and... and, uh, Tell us what you think. Well, um, actually, I, I called in primarily to deliver a, a dvartara that someone else has written. Um, one of our users, uh, Dave, um, our, one of our earliest users, user number 67 out of more than 1,500 now, um, has written a dvartara and has asked me to deliver it for him. Um, so I'm, I have that prepared. But I wanted to first uh, thank um, you, Isaac, and to thank um, others, especially the employees and the administration of Stack Exchange who worked so hard to uh, to get this site running and, and to build it up. Um, and in particular, uh, Jim, the, the graphic designer, has made it look absolutely stunning. Um, but yeah, let me uh, just uh, deliver the the Tarot. And if, if you have time for it, I would like to participate in this in this game also. This sounds, um, is it, are there any prizes? Um, I think the prize would be the satisfaction of a job well done. Uh, fair enough. Okay. Um, so so the, the rest of what I'm going to say now is a quote from from the other user. He says... From Dave. From Dave, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, says, it's an honor to address the long-awaited Miodea launch party. It occurred to me that the theme of Miodea, people engaging in conversation to enhance their Torah knowledge and their mitzvah observance, actually builds upon an ancient concept. The Mishnah and Avos state that two people sit together without discussing Torah-related matters. They're regarded as sitting in a Moshavlet sim, a, an assembly of scorners. But if two people sit together and the conversation does revolve around Torah topics, the divine presence of Shekhinah dwells among them. This idea is derived by the Mishnah from a verse in Malachi at the very end of the books of the Prophets which describes the return of the Jewish people to God at the end of days. Then those who fear God speak to each other. God pays attention and hears, and a book of remembrance is written before him for those who fear God, those who think of his name. This book of remembrance, what is this book of remembrance that's written when people involve themselves in discussions about Torah? Rabbi Eliyahu Dessler explains, the book mentioned in this verse is actually the person's own soul. The spiritual gain that's achieved through give and take about Jewish observance leaves an everlasting imprint on the souls of the participants. So perhaps it can be said that the lively exchanges on Miodea also form a kind of book of remembrance. The site is a virtual record that not only testifies about the commitment of the people who contribute to its content, but will also serve as a perpetual source of knowledge and guidance to thousands more in the years to come. While most of the Internet can unfortunately be considered an assembly of scorners, the Odea community has distinguished itself as a meeting place for those who truly care about Jewish life and living. May Hashem indeed grant this venture and its participants with endless blessing as a test. 
On a final note, I'd like to publicly thank and acknowledge Isaac Moses, the topic who started this all, has kept things chugging for the last two years. There's no question that he deserves a hearty toast. Let's all raise our glasses as one and declare L'chaim. Uh, L'chaim, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll raise my glass in turn to Dave and, and MSHD10 and everybody else who's, who's been involved and made this uh, site work. So L'chaim. L'chaim. And MSH210, would you like to play our game? I, I would love to. Thank you. Okay. You remember the rules. I will give you the three things, and you have to say what binds them all together. And here they are. Beis Hillel, Rabbi Akiva, and Rava. Beis Hillel, Rabbi Akiva, and Rava. Um, Rava with an Aleph. Yeah. I will have to guess on this one. I'll guess that that they that the halacha follows them when they follow the, when they when they have a, dis, a dispute with their with their colleagues. That's exactly right. All right. Good job, well MSH210. Thank you. And uh, thank you very much for calling in. If if you want to stay on the line um, and uh, uh, be part of the discussion, you're welcome to. Or um, if you need to go, you can go. I'm afraid I do. I'm afraid I do need to go. Oh, okay. Well, thank you so much for calling in. Um, Waf, do we have any other callers uh, who, who want to come on at this point? We are eagerly, eagerly watching the boards for callers. And all Alrighty. callers are welcome to push the one button and bring themselves on the air. Okay. Well, uh, in, uh, pending that, Rabbi Student, um, you recently wrote a thought-provoking blog post called the Social Media Challenge, How to Use Social Media to Build Rather Than to Destroy. And we'll put a, a link to that up in the show notes um, before the end of the day. What do you think are the main things a Jew needs to keep in mind to make the social Internet a blessing and not a curse? You know, that's, that's, that's actually been a very hot topic in my community lately because there's been so much publicity about whether the Internet well, really, then how bad is the Internet? That's really what people have been talking about. And my my viewpoint for many years has been Internet is wonderful. It's a great thing. Uh, and with all the pitfalls that it contains, it's still just so invaluable um, to, to really to anyone who is intellectually curious. Uh, I can't imagine uh, not having the Internet uh, for people who are intellectually curious and open to learning new things. And, and social media... It's just like anything else. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. Um, it it lends itself to being used for bad because it basically asks people and sometimes encourages people to give out personal information that you really shouldn't give out. You know, you shouldn't be posting pictures of your children, and you probably shouldn't be posting too many pictures of yourself. Not anything you might regret later. Uh, and and the social media apps kind of ask you to do that, ask you to give personal information, and you sh- you really shouldn't do that. You need to keep your own privacy for many reasons, not least of which is your your literal your personal security and your future, your jobs, your uh, uh, your dating. You, you don't want your dates to be able to Google you and find out every stupid thing you've ever done, because uh, you know everyone does stupid things, but we don't necessarily advertise it. Um, so there's, there's definitely a pitfall of social media. You have to be a knowledgeable and intelligent, thoughtful user. Uh, but getting beyond that. Um, there's just so much value there in terms of discussion uh, between people from all over the world. You know, Isaac, I have no idea what you look like. Now, this is the first time I've heard your voice. When we've emailed, and we've corresponded before, 
there's something to it, to knowing who you're talking to, even if you're not really literally talking. And social media helps that in terms of getting more familiar with the people you correspond to, uh, even if it's just a picture. But beyond that, um, let's say Facebook, the ability to have long conversations. I've had long conversations, long debates on political issues, on religious issues, uh, on social media. It's just a matter of you personally making the decision or me making the decision. I don't care about Narishkeit. I don't care about the nonsense that some people care about. Some people are very focused on movies or on a celebrity or on sports. Or, and I apologize for calling it Narishkeit. To me, that, that's not what interests me. I'm focused on intellectual issues. And I try to um, reach out my social network to similar people with, with similar uh, interests, even if their viewpoints are very different. And one of the great things about social networks is a friend has a friend has a friend, and you can easily get in touch with people who have different views, uh, but on the same serious issues that concern you. And you could really grow as an individual by hearing what they have to say, debating with them, talking with them, um, finding out what they're reading, and maybe you should read a little bit about that also to expand your horizons. There's uh, Facebook and Twitter also and, and other social media, which I don't necessarily use or have time to use. Um, there are many great ways of expanding your horizons and getting new thoughts to trigger your, your brain to work. And, uh, you know, we, we all have a lot to learn, and we all come from specific backgrounds, and it's really just wonderful that we can talk to people from all over the world, from all different other backgrounds, and expand our horizons that way. And I see social media as being incredible for that. But you have to be a responsible user and avoid the narishkeit and avoid, avoid the pitfalls of uh, oversharing, overexposure. And, and that's, that's what I wrote in that article. And I think um, the, the place where I originally published it sort of reached out for me to ask me to write an article against Facebook. And my response was, I'll write the article, but only if it's in favor, in, in favor of Facebook. And they said, okay, we'll see what you do. And they liked it and they published it. And then I, I reworked it and put it on my blog. Terrific. Yeah, well, that's that's great. I mean, it, it's, it's yeah, it's important to see this uh, social media as, as kind of a, um, a very, very potent tool that, that uh, can go, um, that can be used for, for lots of good and, and can also be uh, tricky to use uh, correctly. Um I guess we've got about um, 13 minutes left in the show. I'd like to invite anybody who wants to call in, and if you just want to share your favorite question and answer um, post on Miyodea, you're, you're welcome to do that. I will share mine, and in the in the uh, in the spirit of, of expanding horizons, I think this was a good example. Um, this the question is question number one three six zero four, and we'll have a link in the show notes entitled Height of a Mezuzah and Children. The question is, is stated simply enough. If a child cannot reach the upper third of the doorway and he is the primary occupant of said room, may the mezuzah be affixed lower than the upper third? So a mezuzah is, is a little scroll con containing some of our, our uh, vital uh, portions of the Bible that is uh, uh, placed on the doorposts of Jewish homes and institutions. Um, and typically it is placed at the top third of the doorway, the question is, is that just typically or uh, is that necessary even um, when the child, the child can't reach it? And what I think was awesome here was that if you look at the top three voted answers, um, the first one gives a very clear cut and dry halachic answer, um, quoting an authoritative source saying, uh, sorry but no, that the, um, the, the, the mezuzah must be placed in the top third of the doorway and that's that. 
the next two answers are stories. And there's a story, um, and they're stories from completely from different traditions. One is from a, a Chabad Lubavish tradition. The other one is from um, about Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, so that's more of a Lithuanian um, a Jewish tradition. And they both agree with the with the halakha conclusion, no, you must not put it on top. And they both involve the rabbi advising somebody um, um, how, how to deal with it in a way that will be ed, um, best for the children. And so the, the, the Chabad rabbi in the, in, in the one story suggest, said, um, put steps so that the child can step up and, and kiss the mezuzah. And that way, instead of bringing the mitzvah down to the child, you'll show that the child, that we have to rise up to the mitzvot. And I, which I think is very consistent with with a Chabad way of looking at it, whereas uh, and and not not to disagree, but but to complement the story about Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky is that he suggested um, leave the mezuzah in the right place, and that way you'll be teaching children that we don't compromise on the truth, which I think is very consistent with the Lithuanian tradition. And, and I get and and I'm not saying that these traditions disagree; it's just two different emphases. And they complement each other, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying is is so great about um, how this communal model answered this question, is that we have the different traditions that complement each other in the same place, and we have one post um, where you can get the the the, the cut and dry halacha as well as um, two inspirational stories and think, ways to think about it that are that are useful, and that really are useful for for everybody who who, who would read it. Um, so that's another great thing I think about that question and questions like it, which is that the the format lends itself. I mean, I don't know how many other people out there kind of cruise Neo Dea, even if they're not looking for information. But I know I do it all the time, and um, that a question like this is just so simple. It's such a simple formulation that anyone can understand the question and and all of its uh, its implications. But it was just a, a case that I had never considered before, and that you know just uh, having that kind of uh, that, that line of thought open just uh, um, it, it adds uh, it adds a dimension it just adds something that I never would have otherwise you know considered yeah that's a really good point I mean and then what you're pointing out is that the answers are valuable but the question is is possibly even more valuable that it all starts with the question which is of course a very strong Jewish tradition uh, you know starting with the Seder from which our, our site gets its name um, the the, Pas the Passover Seder that it all that that it, it, the, the strongest learning comes from questions and answers where you ask a question that is bothering you and then you're going to want to know the answer and if and if and the thing about posting the questions as such is that if the same question is bothering somebody else or if they read your question and then it starts to bother them then they're going to want to know the answer too and it makes it makes for a, a very potent way of presenting the information. Um, uh, Waf or Rabbi Student, do either of you have a favorite question um, from the Miyodea repository? Oh, there's so many, too many to count. Okay, well, if anybody, go ahead. If anybody wants to uh, call in, like I said, in the next few minutes, with um, if you have a favorite question or still a comment or question on our topic of Judaism on the internet, you're welcome to call in. We have about eight minutes left. Um, I guess another question, which is related to the last one for, for Rabbi Student, 
um, that uh, both Torah Musings and Miyodea solicit comments from the Internet. I mean, so Torah Musings, you have the primary material is the blog post. On Miyodea, the primary material is the question and its answers. But in both cases, um, the posts are then um, have attached to them a stream of comments that are kind of more free form. And um, in your experience, Rabbi Student, what, what, what do you think is necessary to, to, to host comments like that responsibly? I mean, there, there are two things. And I've, I've, I've struggled with this for many years. Because I believe that if you want to have a good conversation, you have to have an open conversation. You have to let in people who might not fit in 100%. You want everyone to be comfortable, and that's, that's the way to have the best conversation possible. But you have to patrol it because there are always troublemakers. And, and you know, sort of the number one problem I have is um, blatant Lashon Hara. Uh, and I'll explain what I mean by that. There are some people who go on crusade to destroy other people. Um, sometimes it's for legitimate reasons that I just don't know enough to validate and it's probably not the best way to go on that that course anyway. Uh, and some people are just either crazy or they're obsessed um, or they're just not good people. There are, unfortunately, there are such people. And they will just go to blogs and they'll troll in the sense of just repeatedly saying the same thing over and over in different ways. And you have to stop it. You have to stop it immediately. You have to be extremely strict about it. Um, and and I, I do that. Uh, it's me and Rabbi Enkin in Israel, and we're in different time zones, and we're constantly on patrol looking for people like that, and they come. Uh, I've had it just this weekend. I've had it, I've had to delete some comments like that. Uh, it's just a vendetta, and uh, you can't let vendettas live, um, certainly not on your website, because then you're helping them. But in terms of, let's say, people who aren't as knowledgeable, uh, who, or people who just who are knowledgeable and sometimes make mistakes, I, I'm... I, I think it's great for people to make mistakes. It's important. And, and the rest of us who know this is a mistake, we should, we should point it out. And nobody should be embarrassed about it. It's, all, it's natural for everyone to make a mistake. And it's great to have that back and forth and that give and take, even if it takes a few days for someone to notice a mistake. Uh, that's fine also. You know, no one's putting into practice what we see on these websites, hopefully, uh, which is what we discussed before. So if you have a mistake and, and, and someone eventually realizes it, point it out, and we all learn. We all grow that way. I like it when people point out my mistakes. I grow that way also. And, you know, I think I'm sure in the rare, the rare occasion that you make a mistake, you're happy also. That's, well, that's how very you nice. It's very <laughs> nice of you to say. But, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. That um, we, uh, that's that's a, a big part of the Miyodea model is that not only can people comment, people can actually edit other people's stuff. Um, and, and those are both mechanisms for correcting each other, and, and, and that's kind of the crowd-based model, is that um, everybody knows something, and, and people can really help each other, as long as everybody participates in a very um, um, uh, respectful fashion. And, and that's, I, I think I agree with you that moderation is useful for kind of maintaining that respectful tone, even in the, in the cases of, of there could be very strong disagreements. Um, Wath, it looks like we've got some, some callers on the line now. Um, yes, would you like to bring one participation, on? we have uh, Jake on the line from the Internet. All right, Jake, how are you doing? How are you? Um, I just wanted to call in and say uh, Mazel Tov from uh, Los Angeles. And uh, just to thank everyone in the community for always, you know, contributing valuable content to the website. Um, and just to make a quick comment that, uh, you know, I was listening to a speech over Shavuos 
And the idea that the speaker was trying to impart was that, you know, a bentora, not just always, you know, constantly learning, you know, a certain amount every day, but always that even when they're occupied with other stuff, always in the back of their mind they're they're thinking about Torah topics, you know, and sort of letting them develop in their head over the course of the day. And I think that that's something that Miodea is valuable for, that, you know, it's not just, you know, oh, I have my Chavrisa at night every hour, that that's my compartmental part of the day for learning. But, you know, you can always have, you know, one tab of your browser open to Miodea and every so often, you know, look at it and then there's sort of, you know, important Torah topics just churning in the back of your head all day long. Can have one tab of your browser always open to Miodea, and do have one tab of my browser always open to Miodea. I think many of us do. All right, um, why don't uh, Waf? Why don't you let Jake play our game before we get to the next caller? Thank you so much for that comment, Jake. All right. Well, Jake, here it comes. You know the rules. I'm going to say three things, and you say what they have in common. Okay, I'll try. For you, the three things are Shoftim, Shmuel, and Rus. Shoftim, Shmuel, and Rus. All according to Fazal were written by Shmuel Hanavi. All right, Jake, thank it. you so much. Well done. And thank you for all of your participation on uh, Miodea. It looks like we've got Seth J on the line. Yes, Seth J, welcome. This is Seth J. I just wanted to wish you guys Mazal Tov on the launch. Very, uh, very proud of you and uh, feel like, uh, you know, this is going to be uh, the first or the beginning of many good things to come. And um, I also, I don't, I apologize, like, if we're not calling in earlier, I had, uh, I was trying to listen on my phone, on my Android phone, and my kids saw the headphones and wanted to play with them. So they were listening to it more than I was. All right. Well, this this whole this whole uh, talk will be um, archived. Uh, if you go to launchparty.yodea.com, um, over the next day or so, we'll have uh, a link to all the important uh, information, as well as um, to this um, to, to the uh, the archive of this uh, audio. And, and Seth, I just had to mute you there because the aforementioned child, I think, was was getting involved. Um, let's uh, bring, uh, thank you so much. Hoda thank Hoda on the line. Oh, Hoda Hod, our 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 fourth uh, fourth moderator. Now we've got you've got the complete set, and uh, let's hear the voice of Hoda Hod. Well, Sean, welcome to everybody. I want to say mazel tov on an auspicious occasion like this. Auspicious occasion. That's the famous joke there. Um, so I'm very happy and very, you know, proud to be part of, you know, this amazing website where, you know, you can learn so much from other people. And uh, it's been a tremendous tool for me for learning Taita. And um, I just want to say l'chaim to everybody involved and to all the people who are going to become involved. And... Uh, it should be uh, it should become even greater and bigger and and more successful than it already is. L'chaim. Amen. L'chaim. All right. Well, I think it's time for us to uh, talk about some credits. I want to thank you. Thank you so much, Rabbi Gill, students, for being part of this launch party. You've really made it um, very special for the community. Isaac, thank you for having me. This has been great. Wonderful. Thank um, you, Rabbi Student. You've, uh, uh, I, too, want to thank you. This is Waspy. I don't know um, if I'm still on, but if I am, then thank you very much. I really appreciate you uh, coming and, and being our guest rabbi on the show. Thank you very much to Alex for 
his wonderful words of Torah and for providing the game that we played today, as well as for all of his excellent contributions on the site. Thank you very much to Waf for all of his excellent work in producing this show, um, and of course for his work as moderator on Miodea. And to uh, moderators MSH210 and Hode of Hode, thank you very much for all of your work as moderators, and also for calling in and offering us words of Torah and of L'chaim. Thanks very much to Dave for providing words of Torah for MSH210 to read. Um, I'd like to thank uh, founders Joel Spolsky and Jeff Atwood of Stack Exchange, as well as resident designer Jin Yang and the rest of the team uh, for bringing me Odea to this point and for all of the wonderful work they do in maintaining uh, the Stack Exchange network and all of the wonderful sites thereon. Um, we used a whole bunch of sounds in this show from freesound.org. We'll put a full list in the show notes. Um, the, the community at Miodea is really the, the reason that we're here today. Uh, this site growing to the point that it did and being launched is really, by definition, a result of the community that's, that's grown up here. And I can't thank everyone enough for all of the wonderful contributions you've made on the site. And finally, many thanks for our awesome theme music to New York-based producer, vibraphonist, and pianist, Ben Portner. You can find him online at myspace.com slash benportner or email him at portb648 at newschool.edu and we'll go out with his wonderful music. <laughs>